Have you heard this advice? Read like a writer, but have wondered what does that actually mean? In today's episode, you are going to learn how this practice helps strengthen your writing, which books you should apply this approach to, and how to actually read like a writer. Welcome to Parents Who Write, the podcast that helps parents pursue their writing dreams. I'm your host, Erin P.T. Canning. I'm a mom of two young boys, a writer, editor, and writing coach. My mission is to help you regularly make time for your writing, find your voice again, and confidently share your stories so that you can own your identity as a writer and be a happier, more patient parent. So let's dive in. And as always, thank you for joining me for another episode of Parents Who Write. Some of the books that I love most include Lord of the Rings, The Never-Ending Story, Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream, and I also love The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. Various pieces of those books have stayed with me for years and years. Even if I don't remember the specific words, I can visualize them very strongly because there was something powerful in those books that resonated with me. When you read like a writer and you start paying attention to the things that really resonate with you, you are then going to start pulling out the things that you love And you're going to start incorporating those into your stories. You are learning through imitation and you don't even realize that you're doing it. Think about a movie that you watched when you were a child and you watched it over and over and over again. And if you could repeat the dialogue word for word, for me, that was The Little Mermaid when she gets her legs and Sebastian is saying, I'm going to march myself straight back home and don't you shake your head at me. Maybe there's still time. Maybe we can get the witch to give you back your voice and you can go home with all the normal fish and just be miserable for the rest of your life. That stayed with me, that scene, because it was that moment of don't underestimate the main character, in this case, Ariel. Don't underestimate her. You may think you know what's better. You may think that you're smarter, but she actually knows what she needs. And it's interesting that a lot of that also shows up with Adeline in the book I'm reading right now. Characters underestimate her and she proves them wrong all the time. So when you learn to read like a writer, you are learning to tune into a skill that you have had since childhood. We as a species learn to speak by listening to our parents first. We learn to read by listening to our parents read us stories. Think about every child when you're writing a story, you start off with once upon a time. Why do we do that? Because it feels natural to us. It shows us how to create an introduction to our story that leads into exposition. We learn through imitation. So when you expose yourself to a wide range of stories, you are expanding the influence, the tools, the lessons that you can then apply to your own stories. And then you can decide for yourself what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep. It's like for the Lord of the Rings, I love the camaraderie with Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas. I mean, literally, you've got a human, a dwarf, and an elf who are supposed to not particularly like each other. You've got three completely different people and the friendship and the brotherhood that binds them together throughout the books is powerful and humorous and endearing. Watching the three of those together or reading about the three of those together always delights me. 
when I am writing my stories, especially right now with Adeline and Eolus and Magnus, I want to have that level of camaraderie between the three of them. I pull from that the feelings that I got when I was reading Lord of the Rings or watching the movies. That is something that was really important to me. And so I wanted to be able to incorporate something like that into my story. I'm not copying Tolkien. It's just I have learned something that was important to me that I had emotional reaction to. And therefore, I want to incorporate that into my stories. But then you also learn the opposite. The things that you don't want to incorporate into your stories. What don't I like about Tolkien? Um, The pacing is not my favorite. Sometimes he goes into too much description on things and then other times not quite enough. And I pay attention to those things that don't resonate with me. So as I said, you expose yourself to a variety of books and then you get to decide what to keep and what not to keep. And here's another important point. You're not reading other stories or mimicking them to stifle your creativity. It's about creating a solid foundation and learning to recognize the patterns of telling a story. A huge part of reading is predicting. So you need to establish patterns in your writing, and then you can decide to either follow through or change the direction and surprise the reader. Whenever you hear someone say, that felt left field, it means that the writer didn't set up the patterns that led the reader to anticipate what would happen next. So when you learn to read like a writer, you are learning to pick up on those patterns, and then you'll be able to implement that better into your own writing. Basically, what this all boils down to at this point is surprises in your book shouldn't be left field. Think about knock-knock jokes, right? It's like when you say, knock-knock, who's there? Knock-knock, who's there? And you repeat that 20 million times. You are setting up a pattern. And your audience at that point is expecting that either you're going to finally end it with a typical knock-knock joke or we're going to get orange, you glad I didn't say knock-knock again. Or in all honesty, you could even really surprise them once you've set up that pattern and change it to banana, banana and peanut butter jelly sitting on a shelf like my four-year-old would do, which totally throws you for a loop. But at least I had a pattern and they surprised me at the end. So this is all to help convey the importance of reading like a writer and how it can help you. All right. So now let's look at which books to choose. I would say start off first with a book in your genre that resonates with you. Think of it as a mentor text, but then also include other books to vary your experience because identifying what you dislike is just as important as identifying what you love and why. So if you have the time, I also recommend that you pick a book that you're willing to read more than once. Let's get to the technical bits, okay? How do you actually read like a writer? You've got your mentor text, whether it's in your genre or you're out. And the first thing I want you to do is to take a look at how many words it has, how many pages it has, and how many chapters it has. And you can calculate the words per page. Go to a full page, not a chapter start page, but a full page of text, and count how many words are in the first line, how many lines it has, and then multiply those together to get an average word per page. And then times that amount by the number of pages to get the average number of words for that book. And then after you've done all that, divide that word count total by the number of chapters, and then you'll be able to get the average word count per chapter. That's what my professor taught me. You can also just go to Google and Google 
how many words are in this book. I've got three references for you. The Fellowship of the Ring has 187,000 words. It has 22 chapters, which means that the average word count per chapter for Tolkien is 8,500 words. Looking back on it now that I can see that pattern, I can also understand why maybe Lord of the Rings, like the writing style, wasn't 100% my favorite because for me, 8,000 words per chapter is a bit long. I tend to average around 3,000 to 4,000 words per chapter. So, whoo, that is double that. To Kill a Mockingbird has 100,000 words, 31 chapters. And the average word count per chapter is around the 3,200 word mark. That is so much more in line with me. Yay. <laughs> and The Never Ending Story has 112,000 words. It has 26 chapters plus a prologue, so say 27-ish. And the average word count per chapter, again, is 4,100 words. Again, that is perfectly in the ballpark for what I am comfortable with and the type of writing that I like. Okay, so once you know how many chapters, then want you to look at the story's structure. Take a look, again, at how many chapters you've got. So say there's 30 chapters and make a note of in what chapter does the inciting incident take place. The inciting incident is the thing that basically pushes our main character on their journey. For Finding Nemo, it's the moment that Nemo goes and touches the butt of the boat. Nemo is taken and Marlin is then forced to cross the ocean to go get his son back. There is no turning back at that point. So the inciting incident should honestly take place in chapters one, two, or three. The next thing to pay attention to is when is the climax of the book? It should be between 70 to 80% of the story. And make a note of how many chapters do they then use to wrap up the rest of the story and any loose ends. Again, by noting where these moments happen in the chapters, if you have other beats that you're paying attention to, say you've got the classic hero's journey and you want to know when is the reversal moment or the moment of great despair, you know, where you think all hope is lost, pay attention to where that falls in the book. But you'll start to see, again, that structure, that pattern of storytelling. And side note, if you notice that the climax of the story is actually taking place at the 50 or 60% part of the book, then that means that the falling action and the resolution is way too long. So again, that should only be the last 30 to 20% of your story. But take a look at those books, map them out, and you'll be able to see how the author is actually plotting out their book. Another thing that you need to look at is, in terms of the technical bits, you want to look at what POV does the author use. Note that. Is it first person? Is it third person? Is it omniscient? Is it third person close limited? Make a note of that. And then also ask yourself, how would the book change? How would your experience as a reader change if the author chose a different point of view? It's really fascinating if you start thinking about that. How different would To Kill a Mockingbird be if it was written from third person instead of first person limited? How different would Lord of the Rings be if it was first person instead of third person? And that will also help give you a sense of which point of views you like for the type of story that you want to tell. All right. So now let's look at how to read like a writer. Big picture stuff. This one's really simple. 
after you read a book the first time, or if you're just going to read the book once, then ask yourself at the end, what did the author do? What did the writing do that made you love or hate that story? And how did the author make you cry? And how did they make you want to keep reading? Big picture questions and kind of dig into that. So now let's dive deeper, okay? Like when you are reading the story or we're talking about in the pages of the book. Look at chapter one. How does the chapter start? Where's the hook? What draws you in? Where's that moment in chapter one where you go, ooh, now I'm interested? How far into the chapter was it? How do they do that? Is it word choices? Is it a foreshadowing? Is it the words that they're using, the descriptions that they're creating? And also with looking at how does chapter one start, think about even just the first paragraph. We always hear about how you want to start with action. But a lot of times people interpret that to mean that my character needs to be running for their life or they need to be jumping across a bridge or I don't know, but like literal action. You don't actually have to start in the middle of a physical adrenaline-induced situation. It means that you're starting your story with something interesting happening. Your character is making a choice or your character is approaching something. Whenever we say action, we're talking about the character taking action, and that can be a choice. It doesn't have to just be physical action, okay? So look at that first chapter. Next, when you see the white space in between sections... Pay attention to that white space and ask yourself, why did the author end the previous scene right there? And how did the author handle that transition? Did they jump in time? Did they jump in location? And how did the author clue you into where you are now? What did they use to orient you in that moment so that you're not lost and going, oh, wait, we've, we've changed locations. What's going on here? So look at that white space and see what they're doing. Next, note every time that you make a prediction of what's going to happen. Remember where I said earlier that reading is about predicting and creating that pattern that you can then either choose to follow through with or surprise your reader at the end, but you still have to establish that pattern to get them kind of hooked and like, okay, okay, I think I know where this is going. I think I know where this is going. And then, yeah, you did. Or, whoa, did not see that coming. Although there should be breadcrumbs, so they really should see that coming. It's just, okay, anyway, sorry. So when you're reading, note every time that you make a prediction of what's going to happen and keep a list of what the prediction is and which chapters those predictions appear in. That will help you to note the frequency with which those predictions are being made, that they're giving you those breadcrumbs. Pay attention to the consistency in terms of you think, oh yeah, they're going to go through door A. Yep. Ooh, maybe she's going to go through door B. So pay attention to the frequency and the consistency. And then also note when you see the result in what chapter it was that you finally got to find out, did your character choose door A or door B? And make a note of, was it exactly what you thought was going to happen? Or did the author actually surprise you and choose the other door? And how did they manage to surprise you? And if you have that listed out in front of you of they did this, so I really think this is going to happen. They did this. I really think this is going to happen. But then you could go back and be like, wow, they really did surprise me. But where were the breadcrumbs for that? Being able to see that mapped out will be mind-blowing, I promise. Another important tip for reading as a writer, 
Notice the moments when you have been completely sucked into a passage. You know, when you are reading and then it just draws you in so much where the rest of the world fades away and you are living that moment with those characters and there's nothing else that exists beyond the passage that you are reading. When you exit that moment, pay attention to the fact that that happened and then ask yourself why. Go back and read that passage again. And say, wow, how did they suck me in so thoroughly? Were they using active voice? Which means that the subject or the main character is performing the action. So the character is not just letting stuff happen to them. Also, pay attention to the word choices that the author is using in those passages. Is it really strong verbs? Is it very flowery language that's appealing to you? Or is it just really concrete images? that bring everything alive? And what do their sentence structures look like to be able to create that level of a concrete image? Also pay attention to maybe that passage that sucked you in had a lot of action. Writers sometimes make the mistake that they think that an action scene means that everything has to be very fast moving, very short sentences, and it happens very quickly because it's a high action moment. So it should happen very quickly. I mean, think about when you're living through a moment of adrenaline, right? Everything feels like it's happening super quick. But the reverse is true with writing. If you want to increase action and drama and tension in a moment, you actually want to slow everything down. And pull out all of those minute details, which builds tension and suspense and anxiety for your reader of what is going to happen. So pay attention to the action that's happening in the scene. Another thing to note is maybe that scene has a lot of external and internal conflict that's happening with the character. It's like when Dobby died and I was devastated and I'm sobbing hysterically because of the internal conflict that was going on with Harry at this little elf that he helped set free and his friend was willing to sacrifice himself. Another piece of the puzzle about when you get sucked into that passage, note also the sentence patterns. Did the writer create a pattern where it was long sentence, long sentence, long sentence, long sentence, and then bam, short sentence to break it up and like shock you in that moment or create emphasis and impact? Those are all of my tips for when you get sucked into a passage, things to look at. On the flip side of that, boring. if you notice that a passage is really boring, pay attention to that. Is it because the passage is very passive, meaning the character is not really deciding or doing anything, but things just kind of keep happening to your character? I guarantee passive passages like that put people to sleep. I'm sorry, but it is true. What about sections that contain so much details that you find yourself skipping paragraphs to move along the story because the author is boring you with the details you don't care about? Pay attention to those moments and actually go back and read them. Force yourself to read them and note what it is that you don't like because that means you're not going to be that type of writer. And that's okay. You're identifying your writing style by learning that about yourself. If the descriptions are so boring to you, why? What are the details that you feel are excessive? Where is it that you're reading that passage and you think, I don't need to know all of this. I want to imagine this in my mind. You can even go into that section and cut out the things that you wish that the author had cut out of that and see what's left. And that's going to show you how you're going to want to edit and what to include in your own writing. 
the things that really jump out at you, the things that really stand out to you. The last thing to pay attention to is how do the chapters tend to end? Do they end with heavy description? Do they tend to end on a cliffhanger? Do they tend to then focus on the emotional turmoil that your character is dealing with? And we really we dive deep into the internal conflicts that your character is struggling with. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we've been dealing with a lot of internal conflict and then all of a sudden the chapter ends with external conflict popping up and kind of jolting your character. Okay. Do chapters tend to end with punchlines or foreshadowing? All of that is how you read like a writer. I really hope that you find this helpful. And as always, keep writing. You just finished listening to Parents Who Write, a show that's changing the game for writer parents everywhere. If you want to help other parents like you discover this inspirational resource, act now and leave a review. That will also help bring even more incredible guests to the show to help you grow as a writer. 